May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Much to my family's dismay, I really like composting. <laughs> Early on in my days as a not terribly talented urban gardener, I found the idea of rotting vegetable scraps so close to my back door deeply unappealing. And the time it takes to go from a banana peel to dirt just didn't really seem all that worth it. But eventually, I figured that if I'm going to recycle my soda cans and my junk mail, I ought to try and recycle my corn cobs and my coffee grounds as well. Anyone who has ever composted in earnest will not be surprised by what I have to say next. The dirt is amazing. <laughs> in my first attempt to compost several years ago, I threw some scraps and some clippings into a barrel and then lost interest. So imagine my surprise when a year later, they turned out to be the richest, darkest, loveliest soil imaginable. And so I am a convert, a compost convert. And so into a barrel, our, our kitchen scraps go, along with the contents of our shredder sometimes, lumps of old potting soil, the bits, of pieces, bits and pieces of all this, they hang out together and they rot with the help of the bugs and the worms and the fungi. And then every year I turn it out into our asparagus stand or our volunteer tomato beds that just keep going, those volunteer tomatoes. And then I discover again and again that if turning eggshells and wilted lettuce and shredded credit card bills into glorious soil in which we can grow food and flowers isn't an act of God, I don't know what is. In light of this appreciation of good soil, I've been thinking about this parable, the parable of the sower, differently than I have before. Jesus general, generously interprets the parable for us, which is a rarity in the Gospels, where the esoteric parables sometimes leave us kind of desperate, grasping at theological straws. Our lectionary, curiously, leaves out the middle section where Jesus answers the disciples' concern about parables in general. I added it back, a preaching prerogative, I added it back for us this year because I think we need to hear the voices of the disciples asking for clarity, even as we ask for clarity. We need to hear Jesus reminding them and us that the parables are available to all of us who choose to be hearers, who listen with curious hearts, and ears open for whatever God has to say. So let's dig in, pun intended. <laughs> the parable of the sower is sometimes called the parable of the soils. And it has long been seen as a way for the church to make sense of the success or the failure of the spread of the gospel. 
It's an important parable in Jesus's ministry, um, and that's evidenced by the fact that it shows up in all three of our synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, each one of those gospelers stamps it with his own brand, but the form and the substance of each parable is the same in each. And although Jesus explains the parable to those gathered near to hear it, there are anomalies within it. And those of us reading it today in a modern context might not even notice them. I learned this week from my favorite theologian of the day, Andrew McGowan, that it is unlikely that this was a happy pastoral scene. We have uh, images and paintings of the happy sower skipping along, flinging seed far and wide. And actually, the typical Galilean peasant, the one who might be sowing a field, was living under occupation, likely was a dependent, in a dependent economic relationship, something like tenant farming or day laboring. The obstacles to plenty the kind of plenty this parable describes were not only about the poor quality of the land, they were also about poverty and indebtedness, indebtedness that would last regardless of a decent crop. And so the idea of a yield of 30 or 60 or 100 fold was not just nice, it was life changing. In a time when a yield of threefold would have meant happily breaking even. Read from this lens of deep poverty and economic oppression, the parable suggests a paradise in which all needs are met, where despair that would have been associated with the choking weeds and the stony ground, all the other failures have been swept away. In God's reign, the poor who sow will have plenty. And so the hearers of this parable, those early disciples, would have known the economic hardship of being a sower. They would have known the danger of losing too much precious seed to hostile ground. And those with ears willing to hear would have heard a gospel message that could be spread as widely and as flagrantly as that seed. Because, remember, this is no ordinary farmer. This is our God. And that precious seed is no ordinary crop. It is the message of the gospel. And in this parable, all the rules are different. The abundance of the kingdom here means there is no such thing as waste when it comes to spreading the seed that is the gospel. All kinds of people need to hear it. All kinds of soil should have a chance to grow it. For God, there is no waste. God, our own sower, sows the seeds of the gospel with the same sort of generosity and wild abandon that God does most everything. But the generosity with which the seed is sown does not negate the danger that exists for the tender seed. 
There are still birds around. There are still rocks and thorns and all manner of things in our world that can challenge the message of love, abundance, acceptance, and mercy that our gospel uses to call all people home. We are bombarded by messages that want us to believe that our worth is grounded in how we look or smell, what we drive or what we wear. These flocking, flapping birds get in the way of the true message of the gospel and that seed never gets planted. We are fooled into putting our faith into things we can see and touch, things we can buy and sell, things tangible and corruptible, rather than the things of ultimate worth, integrity and hope, curiosity and mercy. These rocks keep us from setting our roots deep in Christ, in the faith that will sustain us when we need it most. We are belittled by a society that tells us we will never be good enough. A good enough parent, a good enough child, a good enough boss, a good enough employee, a good person. These thorns choke the life out of us and make us forget that we are everything, everything God created us to be. We are plenty enough. We are beloved. But friends, we have an advantage, you and I. Regardless of where you are in your journey, how gobbled up you're feeling or choked out or rootless, regardless of the state of your soul this morning, we have an advantage. Because we're here. Because for some reason, God got you out of bed and brought you here this morning to hear this gospel and hear this message. The fact that we're here and listening means that the gospel is taking root somewhere, somehow. Whether you're here for the first time or the first time since Christmas, you're here and you're listening. The little seed of God's story has begun to sprout in you. Tend to it, fertilize it, compost around it. Love it and share it, and it will bear fruit more than you can imagine, more than threefold, thirtyfold, a hundredfold. Even the blackest thumb gardener among us can help this particular heirloom vine grow. And sometimes that's the best we can do. Tending that little gospel seedlings in our souls is all we can handle in a day or a week or a decade. But sometimes we can do more. We are called to do more by this parable, in fact. Because as much as those of us who have heard this story in this comfortable space on this humid summer morning need to hear it, every one of us, there's also a world of hurting people out there that need to hear a gospel of God's abundance, and they need to see it in action. In that middle section of our parable today, the one that the lectionary curiously omits, but your preacher 
shoved back in there. Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah. For this people's heart has grown dull and their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. My friends, it's very easy to hear these words that Jesus quotes straight from the prophet Isaiah and think that Jesus is talking about who's in and who's out. It's easy to think that Jesus is referring to the people who have turned away from the gospel in favor of something they perceive that is shinier. Or those who are only pursuing earthly accolades and more and more treasure. It is so easy for us here in this lovely place, hearing these words, to judge those who are hard of hearts, whose ears are closed. But what if instead Jesus is talking about those who are so downtrodden that they no longer have the spirit to lift their heads? What if Jesus is talking about those who have been discounted for so long they believe they have no worth? What if Jesus is reminding us of those who have been pushed so far into the margins, they can't even get close enough to hear the message? How do we serve those who so desperately need the gospel as we do, but cannot access it for the crush of the world around them? In that same spirit of wild abandon, of abundance and of bottomless love, that same spirit of spreading the gospel, we, God's hands and feet at here on earth at work, should be working towards preparing the soil where more and more of those little seeds can sprout. We are the ones who take the scraps and pieces, the cast off ends and peels and turn them into gardener's gold. The melding of nothing that becomes something rich and fertile with the help of God. We are the ones who are raising the bird netting, plucking out the thorny weeds that would edge out the lives that need sun and water and space to grow. We are preparing the way for the people of God. We are making sure that the seeds God lavishly spreads will have a chance to thrive, that the beloved people of God will grow and know themselves forgiven and loved and freed, and that all of God's beloved people will know themselves fed in body as well as soul that they have roofs over their heads as well as a home for their hearts. All of them, every single one. That is our work, amending the soil for the seeds that need to grow for ourselves and for the seeds that need to grow that others might thrive. That is how we partner with the great sower and so let those willing and able to listen hear with open and receptive hearts. Amen. Amen.